0: Welcome back to the Next Big Thing Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Ogborn. Today's topic is something that's near and dear to every woman's heart, and that is their periods. Yes, today we have on Danielle Finkelstein, who is the co-founder of TOP, which stands for The Organic Project. And Danielle and I, first of all, when we first started chatting, I just felt like such a connection to her. Her background, when you listen to this episode, you'll hear all about her background and the world that she came from, which is completely different than what she does now. But like many entrepreneurs that we have on the show, Danielle realized that there was such a need in this space to do things differently. I know a lot of women out there can relate because when we were growing up, at least when I was growing up, you just bought the same two or three brands to take care of that time of the month. And what I love about a lot of the brands that we have on this podcast is that they're thinking about things differently and they're thinking about what is it going to take for us to have products that are actually good for our bodies. So when you think about products that are actually not even just good for our bodies, but actually good for the world too. So I love that this is a plant-based company that there's no synthetics, toxins, pesticides, dyes, or fragrances. It's eco-friendly, it's 100% certified cotton, and not only that, on top of those amazing qualities, but The Organic Project also donates products to women in need. So I just think we're living in such an amazing time right now where we as women have access to products and services and tools that we never had access to before. It feels really good to be able to say, I'm going to make a choice that's better for my body and I can go support this brand via e-commerce. and know that I'm doing something for myself that is better for myself than just buying what's on the shelf when I go to every single grocery store. Maybe I'm also just feeling especially aware of the election coming up, but the fact that we can choose to vote with our wallets and support companies that are doing incredible things for women, I mean, that's gonna win every single day for me. And those are companies that are gonna get my vote. So I hope when you're listening to this podcast And I know you as listeners have been keeping in mind how you can support women-owned businesses, but think about your daily habits and how you currently use products and where those products come from and who's made those products and what are those products? Like what are the materials that they use? How do they promote their products? How easy is it to find? And are you just using it because it's the easiest thing to grab? Or are you using it because you feel tied to their purpose and what they're doing for the world. I'm really challenging myself to think about this, especially when we're going into the holiday season and people are buying gifts for one another. I'm challenging myself to say, how can I break the norm of my normal buying habits and really use my wallet as a voting mechanism and make sure that I'm supporting businesses that I truly believe in. So I challenge you to do the same Danielle has incredible perspective on building this business and something that really she wasn't doing before she started this. So I felt super inspired by her and I think you are going to too. So enjoy this episode and I'll catch you on the flip side. Okay, so what I'm so fascinated by is that you don't actually come from a CPG background, which is amazing to me because a lot of people in the industry, they spend so much time in the CPG space and then they might innovate from there or start a CPG-based company. Your experience is different. So let's talk a little bit about mm-hmm. your background and like where you came from.
1: Absolutely. Yes, no, I did not come from from the traditional CPG. But what I should say, um, I will definitely share about myself, is that my co-founder Thyme, she did. So she spent 27 years in consumer package goods. And so you'll definitely hear how the two of us bring, you know, very core strengths to how we're building the business. But my career was 22 years in fashion retail. So I was at the likes of Ann Taylor, Coach, Kate Spade, and most recently at Talbot. So in female fashion, I truly understood the the female demographic and the different aspects of the, the shopping consumer. And, you know, when you think about what my responsibility was, so I was head of merchandising. You know, my most recent job was chief merchant at Talbot's is in any business, honestly, whether it's you're buying men's ties, you're buying toilet paper, tampons, or ketchup and handbags, if you know who your consumer is, that's your win. And that is honestly what over the crux of my career was, if I knew who my customer was, that's where we were successful. It was engaging in that conversation with the customer. It was understanding the data of that customer and also growing with the customer. I think that's probably one of the most important things because I can definitely share from like companies I was with, we didn't grow with the customer and the customer outgrew us. And so if we continue to use that, and that's really what early on, I was able to bring to this business with Thyme, and really being able to balance out the two of us is because she spending the 27 years in consumer packaged goods. At the end of her career, what she was seeing on that side was, she was seeing that there was this constant conversation in GM, you know, all the non-GMOs and everything was moving organic and there was natural. And all of that was starting there. And it just became sort of those indicators and the trends that were happening. And this was, again, a category that it wasn't happening here. And so she had already had a lot of that understanding of how CPG runs. And then with my branding and even just building business, honestly, you know, that was really what, um, I would say some of my key successes were is in these different companies I was at, it was about building brand and building business. Yeah. And when you can bring knowing who your customer is moving with your customer, building, be able to build the brand and setting the foundations, of what you actually need to do. And then her unbelievable experience on the sales side, it was almost this like perfect marriage. We definitely like always say like, there's just the, the two of us coming together at this time and where we were at a crossroads for both of us, you know, I had and how we sort of how I got into top and how we came together. She was at a crossroads, I was at a crossroads. For me, it was after spending so many years in the industry. And I think about, you know, finally, I was at the the height of my career. And I was so excited. I remember being 25 years old and was like, I can't wait to be in that role. And when I finally got to that role in that last year that I was that I was there, I probably couldn't have articulated it when I was there at that time. But now, when I really go back and I reflect, I had stopped learning. The passion I'd lost a lot of the passion of what I had had for those first twenty years of my career. And you know, I think the bigger part was that being part of these large organizations, I also realized. You really can't make a huge impact. And to be able to make a big impact and to get people to really rally around it, these companies, they're just not comfortable with it. And that really goes around to the, you know, being able to create some cultures that have the openness of risk taking. I was fortunate enough to have that. I learned that at Kate Spade. All we did all the time was take amazing, smart risks, but really like it was ingrained in us to do things differently. You know, I think in that last year, I was just feeling like is this what I'm going to do for the next 20 years of my career? And it just came that we both were at this unbelievable time together and serendipitous we did this over a lunch and started chatting I had actually left my job I actually walked out you know again height of the career I made this decision really from my husband as well I was burnt out never saw my kids not taking care of myself and made this really difficult personal and professional decision that I was going to step out of my role and figure what my next was going to be and three weeks after leaving I had this amazing lunch with thy and this is how you know we really started to build the vision of what we were going to do for top
0: amazing oh i think that resonates with so many women who are listening because people who have been in the corporate world, we've been there. So did you always, I'm so curious, did you always want to become an entrepreneur? I mean, I
1: feel like, it was kind of like you're going down this path of like the corporate life and yeah. then it's like, oh wait. <laughs> no, you know what? If you asked me even five years ago, I would never say that this was the road that I was going to go down. But I think as I just said over that last year and finally realizing you can't do things differently, you can do things, you know, it can be a slight little thing that you change, but you really can't be innovative and you really can't do things differently. You can't take the risks that, you know, you really need to do to build different cultures, to think about, you know, to, to, I'm going to go left instead of going right. And I will say that the interesting thing for both Thyme and myself was really the first year of us building the business. And we've been doing this for two years now is that first year we still had the baggage of corporate America. And every day it was like, how do we strip it? How do we start to like change our vernacular and how do we start to change, you know, how we're thinking about things and to really push ourselves out of our own comfort zone. And I think that was also the exciting part is we were like, oh my goodness, like we can actually do this oh wait we're making the decision here this actually we can do this differently we can create this brand that women do want to be part of and that they do want to be purchasing and that there is a strong purpose here and that they can be emotionally connected to. And so I think those like each of those factors as we were starting to really do this, and I would definitely say like if we look back to ourselves and we reflect back where we were a year ago, we're like, oh my goodness, we've come so far and we've changed so much in such a positive way. Um, So it's, it's exciting to see for us because I think you would say to both of us is that we both never really thought we were entrepreneurs. But when you look back to how we ran our businesses, even you know within the corporate world, is that we were both always craving finding the spots within each of the brands that we were with at that time in corporations and finding the spots to grow and to think about how to do things differently. And so they, we definitely had it in us. We just didn't know that this was the way that it was going to take us.
0: Oh, I love it. I love it. Yes. And <laughs> when we talk about top being... So of the moment right now and conversations that are happening that really matter, why why is this what TOP is solving for? Why is this a problem to solve right now for women?
1: We are wanting to know what we are putting in and on our body. Over the last five, and I would actually say even shorter, three years, the trend around health and wellness. And women wanting to know where their products are coming from. They're wanting to know, you know, what's the purpose behind a brand? Again, going back to that emotional connection, this is becoming really important for women. And they're finally taking hold of their health and their well-being. And, you know, so the mental health and physical health and the products, again, I said it earlier, like that are made by women <laughs> that understand our bodies, that we can actually be proud of the fact that, oh my goodness, like, I'm not saying that men's design is, is not great, but we, <laughs> It's just so funny to think about. I mean, it is. I mean, it's it's incredible just to think over the years of, you know, just what has happened in the innovation. So one thing I should actually just say is what was exciting for us is just this past month and between August and September, we were part of the Museum of Modern Art um, through their design store, held a pop-up for innovative design for the female body. And they chose us as their feminine care.
0: So freaking was, cool!
1: I mean, for yeah. me, I mean, always laughs. Like, I was an art history major in college, and so for me, this was like every day. I think about it; it still brings tears to my eyes. Just oh, that God. culmination of all the work I'd ever done. I never went into the the art history world, but but I think the really the bigger message and the most important message here is that what MoMA Design Store was really trying to do was raise that conversation around innovation that's finally happening around the female body and really praising it. And this was not just around you know feminine care. This was looking at women from menstruation to menopause. And so what does it mean when you get your first period and how are we having that conversation for these young girls and really starting that conversation between the mom and the daughter? Because that's really where our unique spot sits within our demographic is going after that mom and daughter. But then they had a whole section on sexual health. So the innovation that's happened in vibrators and what's happening there. Oh, and then also post-birth. So the new pumps that are out there. And then they also did for menopause. They had a bunch of stuff for cooling tanks and necklaces that help with cooling as well. So, you know, just being part of that. And I think that that's, that is what women are looking for is, are we thinking about them as, as their bodies and what's important to them? And going back again, do you know your customer? Yes, And, you know, being a female product for a woman is just, it just makes sense.
0: Yes. Oh, I agree. And I think that is so cool. What an honor like a career all time high honor, like absolutely unbelievable. So congrats to you guys. I think that that's phenomenal and so cool that they're bringing awareness to everything like that. I mean, so important. Yeah. Let's talk about, Yeah, I'm so curious about this, just broadly speaking, Mm -hmm. what are some like common misconceptions that you hear around feminine hygiene in general?
1: Common misconceptions. Well, I think we can even just go to the word. (laughs) So we prefer to actually call it period products. Feminine hygiene brings in a lot of other categories as well. But misconceptions, how would I answer this question? There are all these other categories that are now actually coming into period products because there is this need for this innovation. So it's what's going to be right. Some women actually want to wear the underwear, which I think is a great option. There's actually now the cup as well. And so I think it's also just giving the women a choice and give them alternatives when it does come to yeah, you know, their like period. Yeah, choice almost. Yes. Yeah. And so I, would, I wouldn't say that it's necessarily misconception. It's how do we bring that to the forefront? I think the bigger part, and I mean, maybe this is where you're trying to go with the, the question of misconception is, it's more of, we have to open the dialogue up around you know this taboo topic and why it's been taboo. Who knows? But it has been. We've created it and to be taboo for so long. I think the most important part of what we hope to do, and I do believe that with a lot of these other companies that are starting to raise the voice out, we are changing the conversation and changing the dialogue. We've got to be open to these conversations. We have to start them really early. I mean, I both think both Thyme and I, we pride ourselves on just a change that's happened in our own households. But even the ripple effect we're seeing outside is that if we start these conversations early and we empower these young women for the first time that they're getting their period to feel confident and to feel empowered and to not be ashamed of what is happening to them. Throw your daughter a a period party, you know, make this conversation open. And more importantly is make the conversation open to boys and to men as well. And don't hide it from them. It goes all the way back to you know you, your fifth grade health class when the ner- the school nurse is telling the kids, and they separate the boys and the girls, and they're talking to the girls about menstruation and the boys about puberty, and they actually need to have it together. And I know it's it's a pushing a, a topic that a lot of people don't want to actually go there, but I think it's important to actually go there. The other thing, which was actually very interesting for us this summer, is we had this amazing intern. She's actually still with us. She's in college, and she brought up a topic to us and she's like, listen, I was this weekend, I was with a bunch of guys and they're good friends of mine and they're big questions. They were finally leaning in and asking all of these questions because they're at an age where high school, they're still uncomfortable, but they want to know. They actually want to know because this is happening to women around them. And so it actually sparked us to be like, you know what? We need to be thinking about creating this guy's guide. So guys are also comfortable to then have the conversation. Like, how do they know what to ask and what's appropriate and what's not? And and also just educating them. And so I think that's another part, too, is change the conversation. It's about education. And how do we also bring in the other 50% of the population into what this conversation is?
0: Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love a guy's guide. That's so smart. I mean, really, it's like mm-hmm. demystifying yeah. things but then also saying like, it's okay if you're still learning and we're going to empower you to learn more. Yep. So out of curiosity, how has COVID affected your entrepreneurship journey? And then also just how top has you know, seen success in 2020?
1: There's no sugarcoating. I mean, COVID, I think, has affected every single business out there. And we were definitely one of them. The positive for us is that we are an essential item. Half the population, some percentage of that, 50% of that population needs feminine care at some point. And so what happened for us coming into COVID, so pre-COVID, we knew where our business strategy was, was that 2019 was our time to really set the foundation for the business, really build our direct to consumer. But because of our experience and what we knew from our previous worlds was the the success for us was gonna be out of diversification of distribution. And so we always knew that we were going to build out, you know, a stronger direct to consumer, but also e-commerce side of the business, which would really be, you know, flanked by your Amazons and a couple of others, which I'll, I'll share. But and then the the third part would truly be retail. Sort of your first question that you said, like, what's wrong with going to the store? 85 percent of feminine care is still bought in store, and so we knew for distribution that was where we were going to go. So we our resolutions for 2020 were very different from where we're sitting right now. But you know, where when we were walking in. We were walking in with eight retailers that we had, we were confirmed with. They were mainly on the Northeast. And, you know, all were supposed to be set between March, April, and May. And those were going to be when the resets were. So we had two of them place their orders, um, honestly, the first week in March. And one of the biggest ones that we had, which was a 500-store chain, COVID hit. They were supposed to place their order in the beginning of April, and they made the decision that they were not going to be doing any resets. So, those two weeks in March, right as essentially the world shut down, we definitely, you know, no surprise, we went into like a moment of panic, and it was very quick, though. Yeah. We both like sat down, we're like, okay, we've got to like really think through where have we had wins so far? And where can we build upon and just really take this slow. I mean, also cut cash flow every single penny. Like, what do we not need to be spending money on? So it was being very strategic on, on the financial front. And then what can we actually lean into? So the two things that we really leaned into was the e-commerce side. So we, you know, we really went hardcore with Amazon, which we, Honestly, was a saving grace for us for definitely some time over like three four months. Um, so leaned into Amazon. The other part too, which was important for us, was a huge part of our purpose is giving back. And so immediately we leaned into that as well, and we donated over almost one hundred and fifty thousand period products just on the first half of the year to some of those hardest hit cities. Good for you guys. That was like really just the March time period because then we had to really think through. Okay, what are then these next steps going to be? So knowing we were really going to push into e-commerce we launched with walmart.com and we now are just about to launch which is exciting um, with kroger.com vitacost and FSA Store.com. so really building out awesome. that e-commerce side as much as we could knowing that retail is going to come and thank goodness of the eight that we had secured five of them have taken us in they've all moved now into the august september and october time period so six month lag from then but still able to continue to like push that momentum on the retail side as well. So, you know, listen, COVID is, and as a female and as a women owned business, this is tough. We are seeing businesses around us just, you know, they're shuddering and it's sad to watch because there has been so much progress in, you know, women owned businesses and just women in the workforce in, in general. And, Women are definitely taking a harder hit throughout this. And so it's also for both Fime and I, like we are fighting even harder to just like get through this and get to the other side. You know, we see the vision of what's on the other side. And it's really just all along trying to be as smart as we can, really, when it comes down to expenses. And I think I should say we had been self-funded up until last year, and we actually closed our seed round three weeks before COVID hit.
0: Wow, no way.
1: Yes. So we are unbelievably thankful and grateful that we were able to do that. But now it's really like having to just manage through that because we're not getting the revenue that we were anticipating at this time. So it's, we do feel because of where our experience coming into the business, just being able to be a little bit smarter about how we do manage the business. It's definitely helped us.
0: Wow. Well, first of all, that's amazing. Second of all, I think for a CPG product, it's also interesting too, to see how e-commerce and purchasing mm-hmm. online is just going to be really like, I mean, if 2020 didn't solidify that, I don't know what would oh. right? of just oh,
1: absolutely all in yeah, you, online. Yeah. And the trends are going to continue to happen. I mean, listen, we're going to see this. And I think what this really did is it pushed the hand on so many consumers who weren't comfortable with shopping online. You know, you've got the Instacarts, you know, you've got Shift, you've got all of these new. So there's even just this other part of the evolution that has happened within the industry. So we have to think about where is the consumer? How do we get to her? And so it is giving her the diversification of where the product is. That's probably our, our biggest goal is to just be able to support her and get the product to her in any way that we can because it is, but we are going to continue to see the the online side of the business continue to just grow significantly.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I would love for people who are listening just to understand when it comes to your journey, becoming an entrepreneur, what would you say are some of like the biggest lessons
1: that you've had? surround yourself with an amazing network. And that really will be one of the most important parts of your journey because you need that support system to guide you in the good and to guide you in the bad. You need somebody to always be able to put a mirror up and be honest and truthful with you but you also then need those cheerleaders. You need those people who are just rooting behind you, and they're like, "You've got this. Like, we believe in you." And that support system honestly has been, you know, our saving grace. And we're grateful for the people around us that have done that. And some of them, you know, have actually became investors for us. Like, it's all been keeping these relationships from the past, and how can we really just nurture them, and how then they can nurture us as well? And what's actually been amazing in some of these relationships and these connections is they're then introducing us to somebody else, and they're then introducing, and it's just like. This constant, like also pay it forward. You know, we're big believers too. Like we, anybody who reaches out to us that, you know, wants like advice or whatever, we're like, yes, like we will talk to anybody because we know how hard this journey is. And so I do believe that the network is extremely, extremely important. The other is patience. We want to all see success happen, you know, overnight. And we all want to see those, you know, you see a couple of like these unicorn brands that are out there. And honestly, you know, we're both, we're coming from these billion dollar brands. And when you're starting a business at zero and just the time it takes to do things, in our mind, it takes a long time. From the viewer outside, it doesn't. And I think that's the piece that we always have to kind of like circle back and really say like, okay, it's in our minds, what we're seeing, like, this is like, oh my God, like this was supposed to be three months ago. Yes. No, it actually isn't. It just, it takes time. I think that's, that's a hard thing for anybody. I mean, I think in our, just in the world that we're living in right now, it's very hard to be patient. You have to be patient here. Plant your seeds. I think that's the most important thing is like plant your seeds all along and you will start to see them grow as you go. Then there's going to be some that you're going to be like, all right, that was a total waste of time and figuring out, you know, when to move on. That's actually probably the third thing is, learn quickly and move so when something is not working as an entrepreneur you actually have you, you have the ability and this is the amazing thing about being an entrepreneur is like you can move fast you don't have to wait you can make those decisions and that is so critical i mean go to our COVID situation like as soon as that you know the, the world shut down is how do you move fast and just really you know be nimble so you know i think those are probably the three most is definitely you know network patience and being nimble and flexible um
0: i Love those. That is yeah. so great. I also used to have a manager who would always say speed wins. And I totally agree because it's so important. And I love the fact that you mentioned that what people see is not necessarily what you're experiencing as reality <laughs> as an entrepreneur, because it's so true. It's like mm-hmm. people are doing a bunch of different things. They're not so focused on your brand. So give yourself some breathing room.
1: Yeah. 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 <laughs>
0: Where do you see this space of period products going and evolving as time goes on?
1: Yeah, I love this. You know, I think it goes back to the problem at the beginning. I truly believe that women are going to expect transparency in these products. And as they become more and more educated, and as they become aware that there is a choice, there is going to be this expectation and it really is then going to put the mirror on the big corporations and you're seeing it in the food industry as well you know things being removed from products so it just will be i do think that that's probably going to be the number one piece i also think just around the environmental piece the impact that feminine care period products have had on the environment is is massive you know it's actually it's the fifth most disposed product um, in landfills, and it's above straws. You I know, mean, everyone's talking about straws, and this actually, this actually sits. Oh, everyone is talking about straws. <laughs> yeah, they do. You know, we've all changed to you know our steel straws and what everything else are reusable straws. And this is actually this is a larger impact, and so I think that's going to be another part, and that then feeds into this conversation around innovation. So. expectation is going to be, what's the innovation that's happening within this category? And so whether it is about, you know, for us, we'd really tout ourselves on that environmental piece, we've really pushed ourselves onto plant-based and really making that um, a a core part of what our mission is. How can more brands start to actually do that as well? I think that's going to be one of the the big pieces that you're going to see. And then truly like, how are they, you know, how are they doing things differently and and their impact on, on the environment and the sustainability piece? And then I think the last piece is, how do we bring more access to more? women and really push this conversation around female equality and how do we get women that cannot afford feminine care, how do we give them access to this, that it's in you know public restrooms. So huge advocates and really loud about getting this into the schools. It all starts there. If young women cannot be educated because they cannot go to school because of their period, they're just not gonna have the opportunities that somebody else might have. And we've gotta remove that burden from them and let them focus on the most important part of essentially, Growing up is their education. You know, I think that's the other, the third part.
0: Yes. I, oh, that is so important. You think about what you learn when you are growing up. And I hope that that conversation starts to evolve and shift because you're completely right. That is so important to make sure that that's really taken care of. So I love that. What is the future of TOP? Like, what's next for you guys?
1: Yeah. You know, I think our main goal is going to continue to change the conversation educate the consumer and find ways to do this category differently and so women are comfortable to talk about it so you don't have to hide it under your sleeve anymore you know we, we always joke about like pull it out of your sleeve like Seriously, we, we we don't need to be sticking it in our sleeve anymore when we're running to the bathroom or whispering behind, you know, somebody. Do you have a tampon? Yeah. <laughs> we don't need. We don't. We don't need to do that. Yeah. And if we can also just educate this younger generation to not have to feel, you know, that stigma, we owe that to them, honestly. But you know, for us alone at top, you know, we're pushing forward with the retail expansion, really excited about a lot of stuff that we have coming forward in 2021. And, you know, our 2020 success stories and have learned a tremendous amount that we actually can now really apply to 2021 as the world changes. And so I think that's the big piece for us. Look, we want to bring transparency. We want to bring innovation. That innovation really comes around the plant-based and we want to get products out to more women. At the end of the day, that is what our goal is. So that's what you can kind of see for us love it and where can people find you you can find us on our website, which is toporganicproject.com. You can also follow us on social, so both Instagram, Facebook is Top Organic Project. We're on Twitter, and we're just making our foray into TikTok. So the one thing I didn't mention through all this is my cousin is an absolute like superhero. So she dresses up in this amazing tampon costume, <laughs> and that has actually probably been one of the biggest changes in our business wow. trajectory. This <laughs> happened last year in 2019 the minute that she did it also gave us this credibility and authenticity that we didn't have before because it brought levity to the conversation like when somebody shows up in a tampon costume you're like what is going on like you actually engage and so you know i think the big thing you'll see on tiktok is she's like started to do that but you know i think i think bringing an authentic voice to this entire category is very important bring some levity to this like we can't be so serious yeah. like we've got to strip away the seriousness and i probably didn't say that earlier on but but i think that's important like i think we've got to bring some you know some some levity into this serious topic but yes and then the other places you can also find us you know as i said before just on the retail side um, at this point there's a bunch of northeast retailers that we're in but also amazon and walmart.com and we're about to launch on vitacost and fsa and uh, kroger.com amazing
0: wow that's great okay well i will make sure to include all of that in the show notes and thank you so much for being a part of this podcast episode like I've learned so much and I think it's so empowering to have these conversations. So thank you for doing what you're doing. It's it's phenomenal.
1: Honestly, you know, Sam, this is for us to just be able to share our story. And if it's advice or just something to learn, you know, we are always fortunate. We are podcast geeks. So we listen to so many and you learn something new from every single one of them. And so if somebody can take take something away where... We're thrilled about that and uh, happy to share where our journey's been because it's definitely been different too. And I yeah. think that's that's a piece too, which is exciting to, have, to showcase different journeys on on building a business. I agree
0: because there is no bright answer. No, there is not. Yeah. There is
1: no book. There is no <laughs> book.
0: <laughs> well, thank
1: you so much. I appreciate it. All right, thanks so much, Sam.
0: Thank you so much, Danielle, for coming on the Next Big Thing podcast. I loved having you on and getting to know you. And I, I really, like I said, I felt a connection to you. And I just wish you all the best in your business. And I can't wait to see how people's shopping habits continue to evolve and change and start to support businesses like The Organic Project. Like I said, when you're going into your cabinet or you're going in and reassessing everything that you've bought, really start to challenge yourself and think, how can I prepare ahead and support companies that I truly believe in. And The Organic Project is definitely one of them. So thank you so much, Danielle, for being on the podcast today. One more quick plug. If you loved today's episode, make sure to leave us a reading and review in iTunes. It helps so much and it goes a really long way. And we love to hear from you guys. So it makes my day. And I am so excited to watch this podcast continue to grow. We are really getting some incredible entrepreneurs on the show. And I'm so excited. So if you like what you're listening to, please just leave us a rating or review. It means so much to me. And with that said, I will catch you guys next week.